0: Shorts, skirts, I wear T t-shirt, she's chin-captain, and I'm on the bleachers. Thinking about a day when you wake up to find that what you're dreaming for has been here the whole time. Hello! Welcome to Comic Book Herald Live. Hey everybody, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com, here at the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel. If you like these live streams, please like, subscribe, share, comment. Those are the things that help. I am about 100 subscribers away from 20,000, which is pretty nice. That's pretty nice for a guy just having having a time talking comics, not uh, catering. (laughs) <laughs> to the YouTube algorithm, in any way, I, <laughs> you you could not market a YouTube channel with less intention. <laughs> you could not you could not be uh, harder, I think, to market than the path I've taken. But nonetheless, about hundred subscribers short of twenty thousand. Tell your one hundred best friends, and let's get to twenty thousand. And then and then we can that's fine. We can pause there. Stay at twenty k totally fine. That's cool. Um, monetarily makes no difference to me. It's purely just (laughs) a number that I can say I have and can brag about, uh, which feels great. So thanks to all of you who have supported the channel and supported me. Uh, I, it does mean a lot that folks actually want to take the time and come hang out and talk comics, uh, which is fun to do. I don't have a lot of people in my life that I would otherwise connect with and like talk about the day's releases, you know? Um, like my wife has actively requested I stop <laughs> multiple times. has been like, please, please find yourself an audience. Um, so obviously the the most natural way was rather than, you know, making a small group of friends was to stream to my 20,000 closest pals online. So thanks to those of you who are joining. Much appreciated. Uh, again, like, subscribe, share, all that fun stuff. We are going to talk today about whether or not God's is good yet. Is God's good yet? God's God is great is what I learned growing up. But is God's good yet? Is what we're here to discover today. This is the Jonathan Hickman of Larry O'Skitty comic that is coming out. Currently, three issues, 120 pages, though, which is approximately six issues about a trade. Um, I've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts, as you might expect. Uh, we will talk about those. Well, let's see, what else do we have today? We had the Fall of X uh, fell, the <laughs> Fall of X did fall. And a bunch of miniseries concluded, Astonishing Iceman, Uncanny Spider-Man, Uncanny Avengers. Those ended this week. Um, Not a lot to say in any particulars around those, but we can kind of talk about it a little bit. Uh, And then probably the biggest thing to talk about this week on the X-Men front is Marvel (laughs) was yet again blackmailed into releasing uh, a teaser – for the 2024 x-men prior to wanting to clearly they are constantly blackmailed by bleeding cool scooping their buns uh and uh getting news out there and then marvel pretty consistently like once once a story has been s- scooped uh spoiled right stolen <laughs> i don't know uh has been released Into the ether, Marvel's like, all right, fine, let's put out a press release. So here they did, I mean, clearly a very quick, (laughs) very quick release of something that said X-Men from the ashes coming July, 2024, this elicited like a response, (laughs) like (laughs) this elicited emotion, this elicited thoughts, this confirmed biases, this confirmed assumptions, it should not <laughs> have done those things. This is like the simplest, simplest image I I have seen in some time. It is, I guess, the 90s X-Men logo, which is a pretty familiar popular logo for X-Men. Uh, all black. All black everything. Okay. We asked Spinal Tap. We said, is this black enough? They said, how much more black could this get? They said, none. None more black. That's what Spinal Tap had to say about it. Uh, it's just black and it says X-Men and it says from the ashes. And then it says coming July, 2020, 2024. That's it. That's all. That's all that happened <laughs> from that, from that, a lot of folks seem to have derived that this is confirmation that the new editorial regime of Tom Brevoort on X-Men is in fact going back to the past, going back to the start, uh, that they're going to, Tap into 90s X-Men nostalgia that it is going to be everyone's greatest fears of a return to the mansion and, you know, dissolution of not only the Krakoa era as like a literal plot, you know, um, um, device, but of every possibility of progress that that may have meant. Now, listen, all of these things may turn out to be true. Like, again, betting odds, <laughs> like replacing odds, the odds are regression is coming right? We've been talking about this for years. After some sort of shock to the system, Marvel Comics takes the most conservative, not like politically, but like um, cautious approach to going back to the way things were. Post-Morrison, what do we get? We get a refresh back to the way things were, right? Back to basics. That is what is going to happen and it is what was always going to have happened post House of X and Powers of Ten and the Krakoa era. Um so that's not surprising, but using this, using the fact that they used the 90s X-Men logo in what was again very clearly just like <laughs> the simplest teaser imaginable uh does not confirm anything. Overreactions, y'all. Overreactions. Do not here's the thing. The next teaser could be a different X-Men logo and also say from the ashes and say coming July, 2024, and it could imply we're going to be bouncing through time because guess what? This is superhero comics in the Marvel universe, and we could be going all over the place. We have no idea what this is still, right? All we know is what we already knew. (laughs) This little image changes nothing. Okay, so no, I can't, get, I can't get too worked up about that. I can't make too many assumptions. My Dave Stoney predictions are locked in, right? I mean, I think generally speaking, you know, when Marvel tells you who they are, you can believe them. Um, and like I said, we've known this is going to regress. We've known this is going to play it safer. Uh, but, you know, Tom Brevoort's 2000s work does suggest an editor who was willing to break some things and to upend status quos. Could that happen again with his take on X Men? It's possible. It's been a while, it's been a long while, um, but you know, if you get the right creators in the room, it's a strong possibility. Is he going to get the right creators in the room? I don't. We don't know yet. We haven't seen the names. We have no idea. All we know is Gail Simone may or may not be involved in some capacity because she's contributing to the X Men Free Comic Book Day issue. I I'm still skeptical that that was how they stealth announced she's going to be doing X-Men. That doesn't... Because they didn't then, like, confirm it, you know, in a press release or something, it to me suggests she's probably not actually doing that. Um, You know, and again, like, it may just be a one-shot. It may be something small. So plenty of announcements to come. Their hand was forced again uh, as they were once again blackmailed by the cowards of Bleeding Cool. (laughs) Okay. Um, People also had... This also tied into a conversation I saw primarily from the Comics XF folks, who many of whom I, I quite enjoy. Um, but they, they seem to take the the writing and the publication of original X-Men, which was the latest in Marvel's like just weird fixation on making the original X-Men happen. Fletch will happen. Fetch, right? Yeah, fetch will happen before original X-Men happens. Like original, original X-Men weren't cool when they were original. That's why X-Men got canceled and we had to have the the Len Wein, Dave Cockrum, Chris Claremont revival and all new all new Giants as X-Men. Um, I don't get it. I don't get the fixation on trying to make the original five happen. Yet there's a 60th anniversary milestone and, and the Comics XF folks seem to take this as some sort of sign of what was to come because of how backwards looking and just absolutely miserable in a fair, a comic like that looks, which I didn't have to read it to like, <laughs> to, to, to gather that, Oh, this is going to be a backwards looking comic. I'm good. I'm good. Didn't need to touch that comic. I don't understand why anyone would and why they would apply that to like, Oh, this is what the future is going to be like again. Is it possible? Yeah. Like I told you previously, Tom Brevoort's the editor. Dan Slott and Greg Land are getting work. That is how this has gone, historically. Okay, um, same for Christos Gage right in there, who's written some solid comics as well. So, I mean, if your main point of contention is like, I don't want more Greg Land tracing comics, um, we're all out of luck, <laughs> and have been for quite some time on that front. But my, my big thing is like, just stop trying to make the original five happen. Even the old heads don't care. Even the old, like, even the... There's all this talk about, you know, Marvel's Marvel's not for the old fans anymore, right? Which is malicious and, and made up. Um, But what could be more for the old heads than doing just like every four months? It's like they're under contract, right? Did Warren get them to sign this contract and that's why they have to do this? They publish a new 05 X-Men book. Nobody wants this. There are so many things where comics fans are like, nobody likes this, or that's nobody's favorite character, and they're always wrong, and they're wrong by multiples of a hundred. Say that about anything. You're wrong. I can say with confidence, nobody wants the original five X-Men. No one's actually into that. They're not that interesting as a unit. It's not an interesting concept. You know the original group of X-Men that has nostalgic ties, that has the interest of X-Men fans everywhere? It's the giant size X-Men. It's the Ween, Cochran, Claremont stuff. You give me stories set in the past with Wolvie, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and the gang. Yeah, I'm I'm checking that out. Probably the original five. Who cares? Nobody cares. I don't. It's it is the weirdest fixation and fetish that Marvel has. Listen, no kink shaming, with the exception of the original five X-Men. If that's your kink, just find a new one. There are so many. There are so many out there. Uh, yeah, I don't understand who it's for. Anyway, I haven't mentioned yet. Chat is open. Get your thoughts in. Get in your questions. Get in your comments. I will respond to as many as I can. Let's see. I don't was there any implication that the original X-Men book is like like continuity relevant? Like, is there any indication here that like, oh, this is this is the direction things are going? I mean, if that happens, then I can sort of see, like, why you're making more assumptions about this being a, um, uh, a sign of the direction of things to come. That was, that's my gag for a Fantastic Four book. Since it's highly unlikely that I'm writing a Fantastic Four book, I'll just give this one for free. Every Fantastic or a Fantastic Four issue, should end with a sign of things to come. And it should be Ben Grimm in different poses doing different activities that he'll be doing in the next issue. A sign of things to come. Get your head out of the gutter. Get your head out of the gutter with that to come bit. You watch it. This is a PG, no swearing, YouTube channel. Um, And then the next issue, so you did a sign of things to come. The next issue, you do a thing of things to come. And you do Ben Grimm with various things. Come, I, I haven't worked out the kinks on that one, clearly. My kink, Ben Grimm. Speaking of kinks. All right, where were we? Yeah, original 5X. And somebody let me know if that, if that comic is supposed to have mattered in some way. I mean, I don't. I don't know why we would think it would. I don't know why we would think it would. All right. What are we talking about today? So those are all the assumptions that are being made about From the Ashes. I did also see, and like, I guess... I guess this is a thing I might have been into in the past, but like, so the '90s, uh, the or the new X Men teaser is from the ashes. There is a Chris Claremont written post Dark Phoenix. Is it an arc titled that, or just retroactively? There's a trade collection of From the Ashes, but there's you know there's something in the Claremont. So folks are like oh, referencing From the Ashes, a callback? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe. Karen Dillon has been building up Phoenix stuff for months, if not years. And we know this is heading to a fiery Phoenix conclusion. We know there is going to be a conclusion. Something conclusive is going to happen. That might mean explosions. That might mean characters are removed. The X-Men are going to have to recover from that and reestablish themselves in this new era, which is not going to be a soft, flipping reboot. They're not doing a soft reboot they're going to go hard on a new vision for this okay is it going to be a good one we still don't know we haven't read a stinking comic we don't know a stinking creative team attached all right everybody settle down settle down i'm getting worked up getting worked up over here this is me worked up very <laughs> calmly telling you i'm a little worked up all right getting your questions getting your thoughts i already need a sip let will start talking about some comics Let's see. Hawkeye TS says the OG X Men one shot is continuity relevant, only so far as the final page advertises another series coming. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. This could just stay to one shots, don't you think? Right? I mean, this may never spill into the relaunch. I listen. If this is like, this is the direction, and this is what uh, the universe is, the X Men universe is going to be. They're marketing that in the weirdest possible way, which would not be beyond Marvel, but they should be clearer about that if that's what's happening. I hope it's not. That would be kind of boring. Okay. Nicholas Korn says, the OG5 number one was amazing only for one reason. Greg Land tracing his own tracing. That is a flex. That's a real flex. Listen, people get on Land, and I get it, but like (laughs) the confidence, like, like the arrogance you have to have to trace your own tracing. To so wholly own, just like I can do anything and no one can stop me, and I'm gonna be as successful as hell. Doesn't matter what you think. There's a there's a strength in that. <laughs> like like what what confidence, what a flex. Okay, um, Mr. Berlin says since he say most people dislike the original five X-Men, it's not the problem. Is not the original five. Let's be clear. Like, taken on an individual cadence, most of those characters have pretty good stories and are are pretty good additions to the X-Men universe. The exception, of course, being Warren Worthington III, who's boring as hell. Um, But Cyclops is great. love Cyclops. Jean Grey, great character. Love Jean Grey. Um, Iceman has moments. Has moments. Beast, fascinating. Listen, F-Beast in his current incarnation, but a fascinating character. Love the Beast. Uh, Throughout X-Men history, um, and then, I, I don't know, the other one gets interesting if he gets transformed by Apocalypse, and only then. That's fine. The, the boring part is trying to go back to this, like, fake nostalgic ideal of Professor X's first team. Treating it like it's Peter Parker in high school. Treating it like it's Stan and Steve at the brink of the Marvel Universe doing their best work together before the fall, before Ditko leaves, right? Before Stan gets quite the promotion and the, the hucksterism kicks in to the same degree, treating it like it's that, when it's it's Stan and Jack's, like, seventh most interesting idea of 1964. And, there like, there are some decent, like, underrated 60s X-Men books. The, the Introduction to the Juggernaut remains one of the best Silver Age comics that Stan and, and Jack did in my book. Um... And, uh, and then the Sentinel stuff. So I think this is like, I don't know, issues 11 to or nine to 15 range. Probably, um, the Sentinel stuff kicks off and it's pretty solid. Okay. But most and the the first and the fourth issues with Magneto. So X-Men number one is the intro of Magneto. X-Men number four is where Magneto just straight up owns an island. (laughs) And, uh, and like those are solid. It's not like it's like all bad, but that there's not, there's not actually a nostalgic glow to that original X-Men team. It doesn't exist in anyone's heads except for Marvel desperately trying to, like, pretend that it does, I guess. You know? You don't need those five as a unit. They're not an interesting five-man roster. I don't even know that they play that well together. They don't have a winning record. They did not win a single championship. That's not the five-man roster you want. Okay? So that, that's what I mean when I say nobody likes the 05 X-Men. All right. All right. We're about some comics. You want to do that today? Is Hickman's Gods good yet? Listen, on record, more than perhaps anyone in history as a Jonathan Hickman fanboy. I can own that. Within that position, though, I like to still apply some critical evaluation of how things stack and, and compare to Hickman's own catalog, and then, of course, to comics at large. Okay? Um, In my book... So, let's start with the positive. I read God's number three, third issue of now a 120-page start to the three issues of God's, which, again, is a, you know, full collection, more or less, for a full story arc for most superhero comics. I think the third issue is probably the best of the three in terms of... Where things are going, what this book is, um, who the players are. I think through these 120 pages, it is fairly clear now what God's is. Okay? Uh, God's is Jonathan Hickman doing more or less what he announced in in Comic-Con appearances in the build-up to God's, which is building an endless using the Marvel cosmic landscape. Um, You know, so building eight... Cosmic entities who are the top eight, the greater gods, okay? And we get our introduction here in, in issue number three to Oblivion as one of of these eight, okay? From the teaser to issue number six, the Living Tribunal may be one of the eight as well going to come, right? A more familiar cosmic entity. Obviously, Eternity down the line. We've seen the Inbetweener as a lesser god. Chaos, order, exist out there, infinity, um, probably some I'm missing, just off the top of my head, right? So, building an Endless, using the Cosmic Pantheon, all that stuff still sounds interesting, conceptually. If you're going to draw on a Sandman comparison, then it's probably important to point out that the Endless, as like cosmic entities in the DC Universe was like the least interesting thing about Sandman, (laughs) right? Like, Like, Sandman was not cool because the Endless exist. Sandman was stylistically and narratively fascinating because of the storytelling choices Neil Gaiman and collaborators made, and the Endless were a very interesting framing family to apply around an interesting main character in Dream. You know, um, my, one of my biggest problems with gods, probably my biggest actually, is it is such a step back from Hickman's own stylistic and just like storytelling choices. There is nothing about this comic that separates gods from the riffraff. Okay. And X-Men it became Data Pages. And we saw Hickman develop that style really to perfection in the still unfinished Black Monday murders. Every, like, two months, I'll see, like, Tom Coker on Instagram, the artist of Black Monday murders, and, you know, she will share, like, a Black Monday murders thing, and somebody will chime in and be like, "Oh, when these issues coming. And he's like, I don't know, man. Wish I knew. Like, it seems like that book could be finished. <laughs> it, seems, it seems like Black Monday murders, those four issues could come out. I would rather have that than anything Hickman can do at Marvel, okay? But anyway, in East to West, you had use of of blank spaces and epigraphs being established. You had uh, cuts between characters and locales being used to fantastic effect, Um, and on and on and on, different styles, different takes, different things that separate the work beyond just concept, beyond just character. Gods does not have that. It does not have that at all. It feels like most other Marvel comics on the rack. Uh, That is an insult when it is supposed to be reaching for something elite. Now, you may be thinking, you're setting an unfair standard, or you're holding Hickman to a higher standard. Yeah! (laughs) That's part of being a huge fan of someone who is 15 years in to a run with Marvel Comics specifically, right? Is every time I have hoped that they can up their game and deliver something spectacular and new, they have done that. So to see multiple works in 2023 that are not doing that is a disappointment. You set your own bar, okay? If Michael Jordan, bad cop, Scottie Pippen comes out back to the Bulls in 2001, and he's only scoring 14 a game and his back's so bad he can't guard anybody, and I'm comparing him to previous Scottie Pippen's, uh seasons, I'm disappointed. It ain't what it used to be. Okay? So I can simultaneously hold in my head that I like God's number three better. And I am, you know, I'll always be interested in where it's going and how, how the plane is going to land after these eight issues. And make no mistake, Marvel said, oh, if it sells, it'll go past eight. I would be shocked if this went past eight. Truly shocked. Okay? Um, So I can simultaneously hold in my head that I, I generally kind of liked where three was. I feel like we've got a nice setup. I feel like we've got a nice direction. And I can also think by Hickman's own standards, I think these are the 120 least interesting pages in his Marvel catalog. At least since like 2008. Since, like, his first weirdo Sam and Bobby Mojo world stuff. You know, but I would take any of the other 2008 to 2016 runs. And I would take X-Men for 120 pages at a time before God's. Uh, To the the inevitable argument that, well, he's building something new. And that takes time to the Phantom of Eternal Patience, my favorites, uh, Kind of condescending <laughs> To suggest that to me How dare you straw man How very dare you uh, Kind of condescending Because like I've, I've literally read everything he's ever done Okay If there's one thing I get to nerd brag about It is consumption Of this individual author's work Nobody else has done Hickmania The way I did last year <laughs> Okay And uh, I've read the works I know what it's like when Hickman is building something new. You know what I mean? I've read those stories, and they never let me down like this. You know? Uh, so, I, I listen, folks who are like, no, this is cool, I it has a lot of potential to be. It still does. I was very excited for this book to launch. I was out here saying, this is going to be great. I have that confidence because this is a creator who historically has been great. Every time I've hoped they'd come in with something that, uh, that would be one of my favorite Marvel comics, they had done that thing. And God's does not do that. It is not one of my favorite Marvel comics. It is not one of my favorite superhero comics. And it certainly isn't one of my favorite comics. All right. So like just within the sandbox of Marvel, it's a letdown. And that's within a sandbox that is limited in and of itself. You know, so and I I threw this out on Twitter, which was a mistake. I haven't been tweeting. I made the mistake of tweeting. Never never do that thing. Um, I said though, is there are there 120 less interesting pages in Hickman's Marvel catalog? And a lot of folks bristled at that, and were like, "Well, I'm I like gods. I like God." Which like that is not the question. I did not ask you what do you think of gods. <laughs> I did not say that. Okay. No one came in with 120 less interesting pages. The only individual who tried, and God bless him for trying, said the back half of his X-Men. You can make that argument, but you're going to run into issues 18 and 19, Children of the Vault, which are elite X-Men comics. So I don't think it works. Um, The only answer to me that makes any sense is, again, like very first stuff, Sam and Bobby Mojo World stuff. You want to say those 120 pages aren't as good as anything gods? Fine. Fine. Anything else, though? I would take it. I would. Uh, Justin asks here the important question: Is Hickman washed? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. No, I'm very excited for Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm very excited for the relaunch of the Ultimate Universe. I talked last week how I've got way too much hope baked into Marvel's Ultimate Universe relaunch, you know. Uh, and then, I mean, part of the problem that Hickman faces, I think marketing wise is he is so wholly committed to his Substack grant that like a majority of the world has no creator owned comics from Jonathan Hickman, you know, cause that would, that would be the, the, the balance here that we normally have would be like, Oh, well here's the Marvel work, but here's the, the creator owned stuff that is killing it. And the way that, that Substack stuff has worked. Is it's all just kind of hidden in the comics ecosystem? I do find it very interesting how you know you kind of had two. I mean, you have a lot. You have a handful of big players that went and took that Substack money, which looks more and more tainted every every month. But uh, you know, you had uh, Hickman and James Tynion in particular. You know, one writing X Men, one writing Batman at the time. And Tynion, the fourth. Not, I'm not talking about the third. I'm talking about Tynion the fourth has found a way to effectively market his own creator-owned works while simultaneously producing the Substack machine. Hickman has just uh, kind of vanished within the Substack machine. Um, I I kind of think that was a mistake. I do. Uh, I, I think that was, and creatively it might not be, But the work is reaching so, like, so, I can't speak, fewer people, (laughs) a lot fewer peoples. (laughs) And the perception as a result is going to be that not much is coming out, that you're not doing much, which physically is true. I don't, did they, did Three Moons, Three Worlds release anything physically this year? I don't know that they did. Maybe they did. Maybe I'm off. I have not held a trade. And I've been throwing some dollars at them. So, I mean, is he washed? No, I think good work is happening. But the problem with Three Moons, Three World is like, I don't know, I think some of it's probably interesting, but we're in like, what, like year full year two now? Maybe year three? Is it year three? No, it's year two. And it's like, we still don't really know what that is yet either. You know, is it a money laundering scheme? Are comics being made? Yes, comics are being made. I believe that. But it's like, I can see why you'd ask the question, you know? It's not it is not as uh instantly gratifying an experience as here is my new issue of my new comic that you were going to love. Pretty far from it. So anyway, no not washed, but I do think like it's been a bad 2023 at Marvel for Hickman. I think you have two contenders for probably his least interesting Marvel work. And again, neither of these do I think is like you know, some sort of weird, objectively awful or anything like that. Um, but Ultimate Invasion and Gods? You want to make a case that they're, like, some of his least interesting Marvel stuff? I'm right there with you. You know? Um, not a good 2023 for him, post-X-Men. I don't know, this is part of, two why I'm like, people like, oh, if he had stayed on X-Men, it would have been amazing the whole time. Would it have? Or is, like, 95% of his drive at this kind of creator-owned, like, pipe dream of getting paid a significant amount of money to do everything you've ever wanted. I wouldn't blame someone for that. And still collecting the corporate paycheck on the side? I mean, God bless. Get paid. But I think we can stop pretending that the Marvel output is what it was. That's the thing that drives me nuts. Is like, everyone is so scared to speak ill of their god-king. It's like, I am telling you, as the leader of the cult... (laughs) it's okay to, like, acknowledge when it's not as hot as it used to be. All right? You have my permission. Okay. Speaking of condescension. (laughs) That I I was hurling at my straw men. I don't know. What do y'all think? I'm going to take a sip. What do you think? Our sponsor today, we're, we're sponsored again by Big Water. We couldn't get anyone better, so we're back to Big Water. I mean, like, a weird opening 120 pages. Can we not pretend that opening gods with 120 pages like this isn't a poor way to grab readership? You know? The cult of Hickman is so brainwashed with some of this, where it's like, oh, he's building something. Because that's the experience we had from 2008 to 2016, and God bless. But nobody was sitting there in 2009 Going, oh, be patient with Fantastic Four. He hasn't done anything for five issues. Cool shit was happening all the time. <laughs> and it was building somewhere. It doesn't have to be either or, you know? So anyway, it's, uh, I'm going to, I mean, I got to check in on where it's going, but I've been disappointed by it. I wanted it to be, you know, another in the canon of some of my favorite Marvel works. And, uh, you know, just, just couldn't, just can't get there. And it's like, oh, it's only three issues. Stop it, stop it. It's 120 pages. That's a full-on six-issue trade collection. Stop it with the "it's only three issues" thing. Nonsense. All right. Uncanny Spider-Man today. Pretty good. I think this was Spurrier's best Nightcrawler run, or best Nightcrawler, uh, you know, sequence of the of the trilogy. Uh, I think it, it, purely as like a Kurt Nightcrawler story, I enjoyed this one the most. He w- weirdly natural, like surprisingly naturally folded Vulture into Orcus and made it make sense and work. That was that was impressive because I was like, I don't not that like oh Vulture would never, <laughs> right? Um, but like making it make so much sense. Where he's looking at Orcus's opportunities, and Nimrod's like, "Hey, I hack some warlock uh, techno-organic tech," and Vulture's like making him looking at that character and being like, "Oh, his fixation is mortality, because he's the old guy. He's the old man villain that the teenage Peter Parker beats up. We don't we don't hold Spider Man to task enough for pummeling on the the most in need members of our elderly communities." Um, but like you've all sure seeing that and being like, yeah, I would love to work with you actually makes a lot of sense. I think that was good. So yeah, Uncanny Spider-Man solid. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like best five issues of the bunch. I think Children of the Vault was probably the most worthwhile thing that came out of Fall of X. Um, just cause Dennis Camp is really flipping good at comics and I'm excited to read more from them. Uh, but Uncanny Spider-Man was a pleasant, a pleasant bright spot. Uh, you get the mystique nightcrawler relationship cemented. And, and established, you get Destiny in the mix. Silver Sable, Nightcrawler romance worked pretty well, honestly. The weird final reveal at the end of this, and spoilers if you haven't read Uncanny Spider-Man, but the weird final reveal was um, Legion, apparently, was the weird little demon Nightcrawler narrator that I thought was just, like, one of Spurrier's kicks. I guess that was Legion? <laughs> so I think that rules out. Maybe all the Legion is Dominion theories. Maybe, maybe not. Which I, I never I never quite bought into that working. I don't think Legion and the Spurrierverse have been central enough to the Krakoa X-Men experience for the Dominion to be Legion. You know, I don't think that would be a very satisfying reveal. It would be more satisfying than Nate Gray, which remains a hilarious option to me. Uh, but I do think, like... Professor X, Moira, Destiny, Mister Sinister—it's got to be someone in the center of the mix. Mother Righteous, I guess, as a Sinister variant, right? But it's got to be someone in the center of this mix, or it's going to be—it's going to be pretty unsatisfying. Me thinks. Uh, Xavier says, "Who didn't see that coming with that accent? I thought that was just like how Spurrier talks." <laughs> Like like I thought that was just like his normal narrator voice. Totally honest, I'm not even joking. <laughs> so I no, I was not thinking about Legion at all. Uh just didn't seem super relevant. Let's see. Chad Klein says, compare issue one of New Avengers to 120 pages of Gods. Yeah, decline in quality. I mean, I think what it would be is to compare like the first six issues. <laughs> I mean, to me that's a huge drop. Honestly. Huge drop. I mean, I love, I love me some New Avengers. That's one of my favorite Hickman things. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what happened in the world of comics this week. I think that's pretty much it. Anything else come out? Uncanny Avengers happened. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know why we're making why why we're giving Stevele another run. It's like we're we're good, man. <laughs> like what the what the upside of that is? Uh, apparently, Cyclops is going to be tried for his crimes at the start of the fall of the House of X gonna happen in paris lovely place here it's wonderful in february um there's gonna orcas gonna do the trial cyclops i i don't think the fall of x really held on very well to the sense of Orcus in control you know i mean i think the one thing that the the gala established incredibly well was Orcus won mutant kind lost you know? And I think in the early days, like in Duggan's X-Men, you he was able to maintain that sense of like mutants are on the ropes. And I kind of feel like by the end of like Uncanny Avengers, for example, it's just too obvious. It, it, there are too many holes in Orcus, you know? Like the, they're too... Their position has not been cemented strongly enough, frankly. I, I wish this era had leaned more into Orcus as malicious manipulators rather than the mutant side of seeing through those manipulations. Like to me, it would have been more interesting to really press, okay, yeah, there's the dramatic irony of the situation is we know Orcus is a bunch of liars and we know this is a sinister variant who cannot be trusted under any circumstances. But how do they convince the world otherwise. That, to me, is the interesting story, because that happens, right? Awful people convince people who think they are good people of their worth and their merit and their policy. That's an actual interesting conversation. That was not sustained or held up, I didn't think, really at all, uh, throughout these books by the end, Um, which, you know, is... Asking a bit of it, but that's, you know, hold your comics to a higher standard. Otherwise, why are we doing this? I don't need to be tepidly entertained for 15 minutes. I could do that by playing Marvel Snap. Oh, baby, Blob and Marvel Snap. Apparently, all I wanted for Christmas was Blob and Marvel Snap. I am so happy with what Fred Dukes has given me these days. I'm rocking a Electro-Sandman-Blob-Zola combo. I love how Marvel snap will make you look at a collection of characters and think there's more meat on them bones than I ever would have considered. Like now, if someone's like, yeah, I'm doing a, uh, you know, a suicide squad variant. My leads are electro Sandman blob and Arnim Zola. I'm, I'm hurling my wallet at them. I'm hurling it at them so fast. (laughs) <laughs> I could not buy that comic fast enough same goes for a Wong Gambit Odin story if you're like oh yeah in, this, in these two issues of Doctor Strange uh, Wong teams up with Gambit and they run afoul of Odin I'm like look out everyone look the hell out this disaster is going to strike upon all of you that's <laughs> oh, a very fun card game Uh, Vasa's Blob is OP. Absolutely. And I'm so, I'm trying to maximize all of my Blob enjoyment before the game makers realize this and inevitably depower him. (laughs) Like, it's wild. It's wild to have a game where you're like, oh, who's the most powerful card in this whole game? You're like, oh, Fred Dukes. (laughs) Magneto? Uh, Thanos? Uh, No, no, Fred Dukes good for fred good for fred head it is a, it is an x-men variant or theme over in marvel snap uh what, what does Celine do i haven't seen Celine yet i see havoc in there uh who's mildly interesting but you know shouts to one thing i really like about Marvel snap is you can tell these people love comics and you can tell they love comics because they introduce havoc the third summer's brother and they say to cost no power Dude, dude launches as a sub exactly where he wants to be, has no power in the relationship, wants to be owned, and he costs you energy, like, just beautiful, beautiful character study of Havoc there, our favorite little sub in X-Men. Uh, who else is there? Sebastian Shaw is overpowered as well. Um, but if you're like, all right, it's a fight. Blob versus Sebastian Shaw. Who you got? Probably taking Shaw, Right. Who are you taking? A member of the Quiet Council, or the guy who serves the drinks? And the guy who serves the drinks is like the most powerful mf by far, <laughs> by far. Oh, I love it. I love it. We talk about Marvel Snap for the rest of live streams. That'd be fine. Listen, I'll tell you what. If I had any technical savvy, I'd be playing Marvel Snap while I did these things. If somebody sends me like a shit, like ten instructions. That an idiot can understand. I will play Marvel Snap live while I talk about comics. I think I could pull that off. I'll probably lose a lot because like, like if I'm not paying attention, I will for sure make mistakes and trying to double dip like that sounds like a math. I do have a lot of respect for people who are able to play video games and maintain interesting conversations. I don't know that I have that muscle. I think my brain has to be doing one thing. (laughs) like one thing at a time like I'm just staring at a chat right I am not like simultaneously trying to edit something like a lunatic alright clearly don't have much to talk about get your questions in get in your thoughts I'll answer what I can here in the final minutes my what's good in comics this week I finished reading The Ballad of Halo Jones highly recommended I then turned around and put all of Alan Moore's 2000 AD comics that have been collected on hold at my local library. So I'm going to be trying the complete Skiz uh what is it DR and Quinch and Future Shocks for the first time. For the first time, I did have this experience reading The Ballad of Halo Jones where I was like I think Alan Moore might actually be underrated. <laughs> like like no one ever talks about it in those terms, but just there's such a depth And, and just like, um, substantiveness to Moore's catalog. And, you know, you, every time I feel like, oh, I have a grasp on it. Watchmen from hell, killing joke. And I've read the, the Tom Strong stuff and uh, top 10. And then you look around and it's like, I've never touched his 2000 AD stuff. What am I doing? I gotta, I gotta read all that, you know? So I'm just kind of like, I'm just gonna read all the Alan Moore stuff. What am I doing? Wasting time reading things that aren't elite. That's a big question I've been asking myself. Is it a midlife crisis to ask yourself that question? Maybe. Very possible. Nonetheless, that is the question I'm asking. Why am I reading things that aren't elite? I think in 2024, my big plan is like, so I've got this list of comics that people recommended to me to try to rank on the best comics of all time. And then, you know, I'm trying to get to a thousand total. So we're going to be doing this countdown to a thousand. But I think like basically like every week, every couple weeks, just be like, yeah, I'm just reading something that people say is awesome. Like, I'm not, I'm not wasting my time. But who's got time for riffraff Right? Who's got time for Middle of the Road? What are we doing? Let's read the Elite stuff. That's what I'm going to check out. Uh, what else is good? I think this is the only comics I'm reading. I'm playing a lot of Overcooked. A lot of Overcooked. Uh, this is the game where you cook things. It's it's like the bear, but without... Not without the tension, because it, it can get tense. Um, but without the feeling that your life is spiraling out of control and that maybe if you stop cooking, you'll explode. <laughs> Take away that feeling and also the comedy and being the best TV show on TV this year, um, and it's it's a pretty good time. Highly recommended. Okay, final questions, final thoughts. Uh, Nisit Ney, Asks, you have to live forever so you can bring us comics forever, even past your older age. Well, I guess thank you for the implication that you would want that, uh, but curse you for cursing me like that. (laughs) Curse you for cursing me with forever life. I would not enjoy immortality. Can you imagine how boring comics would be if you had read all of them in like 10,000 years. You know, I always say, like, one of the things that amazes me about media I love, so, you know, comics and music, is every time, you know, I was just saying this more, but, like, every time I feel like I kind of know it, like I kind of know the parameters, or I've kind of got a handle on what's out there, you know, and, like, oh, my tastes are, look at me, I'm pretty refined. I've, I read all this stuff. Uh, then it, you realize, like, 10 layers that you've never explored before. You know, all these bands that I've never heard. I just had this with shoegaze. I was like, yeah, I know shoegaze, you know, love my bloody Valentine. Listen to all sorts of shoegaze. And then I'm like, I've never listened to the drop 19s before. It's like, it's like a formative shoegaze band in the early nineties. Never touched them. Never touched them. Speaking of music, my top five albums of the year. Don't have these in front of me. We got 10,000 gex by a hundred gex was my favorite album this year. Scaring the Hose by Danny Brown and JPEG Mafia it was my second favorite album this year. Um, not in order now. Oh, Military Gun, their album is in the top five. Uh, Caliucus is in my top five. And, oh, what's number five? I think it was The Land, the Water, the Sky by Black Belt Eagle Scout. That, w- that was pretty good. Pretty good shoegazy new wave indie stuff. Enjoyed those. A lot of a lot of music I enjoyed this year though. I don't know. Was it a good year for music? I have no sense of these things anymore. Like was, was 2023 considered like a great year for music. <laughs> I really I really could not tell you, but I those are the top five. I got I, I rank everything as I listen to it because I'm compulsive like that. And uh if you want the full list, listen. I will share it with you. I will do that. Oh, Banksy says, Immortal Dave. Boy, what a <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a hot t- a comic that would be black priest says curve good shoegaze curves good uh good for shoegaze all right i'm gonna check out curve justin says hot shoegaze talk listen you come here for the hottest talk obviously i gotta do it obviously i gotta talk a little shoegaze i mean my all-time fave is is my buddy Valentine for sure right um i mean the pumpkins have a lot of shoegaze influences i think that's why i'm a big smashing pumpkins fan as well, of course. Now I can think of no other bands. Taiwan has some very good shoegaze. Political troll says. Then share some of those, baby. Give me some Taiwanese shoegaze. Like I won't be listening to that. Uh, what's the Perennial? That's South Korean. Very heavy shoegaze influences. I've been enjoying that the records over the last couple of years. Do 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 do. Xavier says it's a good year for T Swift. It was a good year for T Swift. Listen, I need Taylor, and I need the Swifties. Just, just support Travis for two more weeks. That's all I need. Just tell him he's been a little bit of a letdown. Whatever you need to do to encourage him over the next two weeks, that's all I need. I'm in the semifinals this week in fantasy football. I got the finals next week. I just need Travis to step up. Probably not even this week. The team I'm playing this week in the semis is starting like the like 90% of their lineup is the Baltimore Ravens. I kid you not, they're from Baltimore. Uh, and I feel like I'm not going to need my best effort this week because the Ravens are playing the Niners and the Niners are good as hell. Uh, which of course I'm jinxing this by saying it out loud. Don't know why I even thought this would be a good idea. No one cares anyway. Terrible, just terrible juju. Um, but uh, but Travis, this week just do me a solid. And then next week, Swifties bring it next week. It's going to be the finals. I'm going to need Travis's best game of the year, and that's all I ask. That is all I want for Christmas, I think, in addition to the Blob and Marvel Snap. All right, Xavier says, I don't think we're getting any Kang comics for a while. Oh, I hadn't actually thought about that because I don't really care, like, whether we do or not. But that is an interesting point that all the Jonathan Majors fall out of Disney dropping him and maybe dropping Kang's now, does that mean the comics just stay away from Kang? Cause they were doing minor pushes in these timeless one shots. And obviously McKay was weaving him into Avengers. Do you just give up on Kang now because you don't have the MCU ties? That would not be surprising. Do you think they're going to just give up on the idea of Kang entirely? I don't know. That feels, I don't know why they just didn't recast to begin with, frankly. Um, I mean, awful situation for the the victims here, and just obviously it's no fun to talk about or be a part of. I mean, there's way more important things than the the comics and the media implications. Um, but yeah, I bet you're right. <laughs> I bet you're right. Which like that's the thing though is like who is bothered by that? You know? I mean, listen, I will I will say there are no O5 supporters. There are King the Conqueror fans. Like I get that, um, but definitely not a top tier villain and never was, you know, but I, I mean, I'm still, I still definitely doubt and I'm skeptical of the people who are like, oh, just, just do Dr. Doom now as your main villain. Like, yes, eventually, but again, do not do that until you have found your footing. Just putting a mask on somebody and calling him Doom ain't going to save the MCU. That's right. We do have a big Kang presence in the Ultimate Universe. You know, Hickman does seem like a creator, too, who they will just keep doing their Kang things, right? Like, it's it's not, you know, Jonathan Majors is not writing those comics. Like, they, they, they can keep doing Kang things. That's okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I would guess the, like, timeless sort of uh, maybe center of the Marvel Universe stuff they were tentatively teasing it probably goes away, although they never really committed to that much anyway, you know? It was always kind of like the, the timeless stuff was so weird. Cause Jim McKay wrote like probably my favorite Kang comic of all time, but it was also like, Oh, here's what's coming in Marvel. But then like, it wasn't really central to the Marvel universe. You know, it was kind of just, it was almost like a preview catalog more than like really what was coming. All right. Stefan asks, is blade getting an event? I mean, kind of in that uh blood hunt is vampire focused. Weird choice. Bloodhound is a very weird choice. it's it's so the weirdest thing about it is you got Jed McKay who I have a lot of trust in is a very good comics writer and you have Pepe LaRoz coming back to do <laughs> to do probably the coolest looking event of the year. but it's just Marvel Universe versus vampire stuff. I mean Jed's smarter than that it'll be more than that. but like I guess it's kind of a blade event. I don't know. I don't feel like the Vampire War has been brewing. That that's the problem. is just like the centralization of everything. Like there's been vampire stuff in the Blade series, which is is holding its own. Elena Grande is great in that. Um, you got uh, vampire stuff in Moon Knight. You've had vampire stuff building in X Men with whatever the heck was. <laughs> Remember the Dracula plots? Does Ben Percy? Maybe that's the question. Where did any of that go? Maybe that'll come up in Blood Hunt. I don't know. Weird choices. Weird choices all around. All right, all of you. I hope you make some weird choices this holiday season. Um, live, laugh, love, learn, lie, litigate, lionize. Thanks for listening, and as always, enjoy the comments